You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to this Data Cert Meet the Experts podcast on third-party risk management. My name is Daniel Dewan, and I'm Director of Product Management for Data Cert DRC offering. My background is in uh, business analysis, sales engineering, and most recently, uh, product management all around the compliance and risk space. With me today is Tom Fox. Tom Fox is uh, an FCPA compliance and risk management attorney and consultant. He's creator and writer of the FCPA compliance and ethics blog and a contributing editor of the FCPA blog and expert columnist for the Corporate Compliance Insights. He's also the author of two books on the FCPA. And uh, Tom, if you could just uh, share a little more with us about your background. Sure. And uh, Daniel, I really appreciate the opportunity to visit with you uh, on this podcast. I uh, practice in the uh, FCPA compliance and ethics space. In my last corporate position, I was uh, counsel with a company that was under a deferred prosecution agreement for past FCPA violations. And I was brought on board as part of the uh, initial implementation team. So from that experience, I learned how to craft policies and procedures, do investigations, training, and the day-to-day nuts and bolts of creating and implementing a compliance program. I try to style myself as the uh, nuts and bolts uh, compliance expert to the practitioner to to give companies clear guidance on what I think the Department of Justice is pointing to in terms of best practices for an FCPA compliance program. Thanks, Tom. So in today's podcast, we want to really focus on managing the risks associated with third-party relationships, and in particular, risks related to potential violations of anti-bribery and anti-corruption laws, so the U.S. Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, the FCPA, uh, and the U.K. Bribery Act. So, Tom, in your most recent book on best practices under the FCPA and Bribery Act, you write that the use of third parties has been the single highest cause for Foreign Corrupt Practices Act violations over the years. Could you elaborate on that? Sure. The um, Department of Justice, in its <clears throat> 10 hallmarks of an effective compliance program, spoke directly to this, Daniel. They indicated that uh, third-party risks were among the highest for any corporation in terms of their FCPA compliance exposure. And indeed, over 90% of the enforcement actions we've seen in the history of the FCPA were uh, or involved third parties to companies, i.e. not company employees. And this is something that is well-known within the industry. It's something the Department of Justice focuses on. And because the department focuses on it and there has been such a high incident of it, companies need to be very aware of this and cognizant of this risk and more particularly manage this risk. And to just make this a little bit more tangible for our listeners, could you speak to a recent publicly announced matter that highlights this aspect of third-party risk? Sure. The thing that's on uh, everyone in the compliance space's uh, mind right now is the GlaxoSmithKline matter uh, out of China, where there have been allegations of bribery and corruption through third-party vendors, uh, travel agents specifically in China, who are alleged to have facilitated payments of bribes to doctors and hospitals to sell or utilize uh, GSK products. So, to my understanding, uh, GSK has had a global compliance program in place for some time. So, what, in your opinion, was the failure there? Well, there's there's really several steps a company needs to take when they involve a third party. And the GSK case, I think, will be a, a very textbook example of lessons learned for the compliance practitioner. It all starts with your pre, uh, pre-contractual due diligence. Know who your counterparty or your third party is, but also know 
not only who they are in terms of are they a uh, publicly, uh, excuse me, politically exposed person related to a governmental official, have close relationship with governmental officials, but can they really deliver or perform the services that you contract them for? The next step after that is to analyze the due diligence to see if any red flags have appeared and clear those, then have an appropriate contract in place which allows you to manage the relationship going forward. I think the GSK matter in China will lead to uh, additional auditing of third parties and the, the government really focusing on what did you do to manage the relationship after the contract is signed. So now, if GSK had had the proper monitoring in place, uh, what kinds of red flags do you think that they might have detected here? Well, I think what we've seen so far is uh, large amounts of money being uh, spent with travel agents. Uh, Travel agencies in China perform a little bit different function than they do here in the United States. So you and I might go to a travel agent to help us book a trip or get an airline ticket, but in China, they have a, a little bit broader remit. They help put together conferences, they pay for travel, they arrange uh, stays for doctors and uh, healthcare providers, and a large amount of money was funneled through this. The first thing to obviously check would be audit to see if there are any unduly uh, large expenditures, and then the next step would be specifically to drill down to the actual receipts, and it may be to match up if you say you have 100 people at a conference going to that hotel to see, did they serve meals for 100 people? Is there other evidence or indicia that the amount billed by the travel agency is actually for services they delivered for your company? Yeah, so from a, from a, technology, a technology position, this brings up what I think is a really important requirement for any sort of a third-party risk management solution, and that's the ability to integrate with other systems around the enterprise. So, you know, in your example, if we have an accounts payable or an ERP system these systems usually have detective controls for monitoring transactions and flagging discrepancies or uh, out-of-bound transactions. So an effective third-party risk management solution needs to be able to communicate with these other systems to initiate alerts to third-party risk managers and to create additional due diligence tasks in response to these kinds of red flags. I think that ties into one of the things that we've seen the Department of Justice move towards in terms of a best practice starting with the uh, Morgan Stanley declination of a little over a year ago, and that's ongoing transaction monitoring, whether you call that management of the relationship uh, relationship going forward or the specific tool of transaction monitoring. It's simply to allow a red flag to appear, and that red flag uh, bring uh, further investigation to determine if there's any indicia of bribery and corruption around that red flag. And I think if these tools had been in place by uh, GSK or others, Uh, similarly situated, it would have given them the opportunity to try and spot the issues or detect these issues early on. Yeah, and and, and technology can help in providing automation to ensure consistent follow-up and audit history of these actions uh, that get taken. So things like calendaring tools to help with uh, managing on-site audits and other key dates, the ability to trigger workflows and notifications, make sure that all the required tasks are being performed and that their outcomes are being maintained in an audit history. And then this goes for the third parties themselves, too. So these systems can send notifications to third parties when they have self-disclosures and uh, policy certifications that they need to complete and take care of sending out reminders and escalations in the event of non-response on the part of those third parties. Uh, Daniel, those are all uh, great points. And the key is the department uh, makes clear in the FCPA guidance that they released last November 
that they want companies to take a risk-based approach. Exxon's risk is different from the risk of Dell Computer, is different from the risk of Halliburton, is different from the risk of any other company. And what the department wants you to see, wants to see is you assess your risk and then manage your risk most closely. So for instance, if your sales model is through distributors, agents, resellers, that's going to be your highest risk and you need to manage that risk. If your sales model is through your own employee base and not third parties, obviously you have a different uh, risk, but you have different management techniques and tools to bring to bear on those risks. So you should, uh, a company needs to assess their risk utilize the tools available to them to then manage their own risk going forward. That's right. And, and regardless of what business the particular company is in, uh, one of the key things is going to be making sure that that risk assessment is objective, repeatable, and defensible. And that's another place where technology can really play a key role. So with a, with a technology solution in place for doing these risk assessments, uh, you can create a risk model that utilizes key risk indicators, uh, either according to industry standards, so things like transparency, international corruption perceptions, and bride payers indices, uh, but also some of those company-specific things like uh, product lines that might carry a certain risk rating associated with them, or uh, different thresholds of the annual spend that's projected with that third party, say, over the course of the next year. These things can all be taken into uh, an automatic risk model that spits out a risk score and determines the appropriate level of due diligence that's commensurate to that initial risk ranking. I would tie back to the GSK uh, situation uh, that typically you and I would not think of a travel agency as a large risk, but because of the number of government touch points travel agencies in China have in terms of putting together travel, uh, putting up uh, doctors at conferences, scheduling conferences, paying reimbursements for conferences. Those are all government touch points because doctors and hospital administrators in China are governmental officials because those are state-owned enterprises. So an appropriate analysis would have been to look at the risk factors with that specific third party and recognize that that third party had higher risk. So the management of that risk, uh, higher risk would have been appropriate. That's right. And, and with the technology solution, all of this can be documented and demonstrated. So you've got the audit trail of self-disclosures from the third party, any sort of findings that came out of the due diligence. You can actually store copies of that third party's policies and procedures that you might have requested, uh, attestations and certifications that they've read and understood your policies and procedures. And then technology also facilitates the sharing of all that information with other functions outside of the immediate due diligence process that might need it. Uh, so one good example there is, you know, it's typically the legal team who's going to be responsible for writing the contract with that third party. And uh, they would certainly benefit from having information findings from the due diligence that will inform the compliance-related terms and conditions that need to be included in that contract, uh, as well as any sort of renewal requirements. Uh, you're absolutely right. And I spoke about uh, my FCPA compliance mantra of document, document, document. But that's really a business solution. And that's something that the business needs to understand. The compliance benefits the entire business. By having that information documented, a wide variety of functions within the company can utilize that information to plan, assess, and manage any risk unique to their specific department going forward. You name the uh, legal department, but you can also look at other departments, HR, accounts payable, finance, uh, even if there's a separate mergers and acquisition team. All of those comp- uh, functions within a corporate a hierarchy can utilize that information that's available to them to move forward and help manage those compliant risks specific to their uh, function within the company. 
Well, thanks so much, Tom, for talking with us today. I'm sure our listeners are going to get a lot of value from your insights. We hope you found today's podcast valuable, and we invite you to join us for DataCert's upcoming Meet the Experts webinar, where Tom will join us again for a deeper discussion on mitigating the risk of third-party relationships. That webinar takes place on September 10th and will be hosted by Compliance Week. Go to complianceweek.com for more information. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too.